Get ready for the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in. It is another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. We are uh, coming at you on Thursday, September 21st. 2023. My name is Brandon Bainey, and we are joined by our bifocal Magic Valley expert, Scott Burton. What's going on, Scott? Oh, my word. You know, I tell you what, I, I know I'm getting old. I mean, I'm not ready to get, you know, put out to pasture just yet, although some would <laughs> disagree. I got up this morning. I'm looking at, uh, you know, my notes for the podcast, and and uh, I, I found myself for the first time Oh, oh no. <laughs> doing one of those things. I'm like, is this where it ends? I mean, is this, is this, this is, it's over. It's done. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little emotional right now. Cause I think I might need some glasses. Have you, have you, and you've never had to have any type of enhancements to your eyes before? Uh, no, I've, I did back in the, well, I've never had reading glasses ever. I'm 53 years old never had reading glasses, but when Lasix first came out, I mean, like when it first came out, I got Lasix done. This is before it was even perfected. I mean, I'm pretty, I mean, it was so new that it was like with a butter knife in the back of an El Camino and, and for some reason it's still kind of (laughs) working, but there are days when you wake up and you go, Oh no, Uh, God, I just, you just can't outrun time. So uh, maybe you'll see me with some, maybe you won't, or maybe I'll just <laughs> read my words that I think it says, and then we'll have a whole different version of reality, which would be fine with me. Yeah. Okay. Two related eyesight stories, and then we'll dive into the, uh, the podcast proper, uh, a little behind the scenes. Uh, we, I recorded a ton of prep casts. We, so we do, of course, the magic Valley prep cast, which you can uh, get at idahosports.com right across the top of the homepage as a prep cast tab. You can click on magic Valley prep cast and listen to it there. You can download this podcast wherever you download podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. cetera. Uh, you can watch the video version of this uh, at the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel or Facebook page as well. And we do one for each region of the state, right? North Idaho PrepCast, Treasure Valley PrepCast, Magic Valley PrepCast, and the East Idaho PrepCast. And then we also do an eight-man PrepCast uh, that we do on Thursday nights. But I, I recorded a bunch of the other PrepCasts yesterday, Scott, and I was wearing mm-hmm. glasses uh, on all of those prep casts. So anybody, and I know we have some people that watch or listen to them all, and we appreciate you carving out some time to do that. But everybody saw me with my glasses on yesterday. I've had glasses since the second grade, Scott. <laughs> wow. Jeez, Brent. Do you wear contacts then? Yeah, I wear contacts most of the time. Uh, I had to get glasses in second grade. I couldn't see the chalkboard, and my teacher thought I was making it up for attention, and I actually got in trouble yeah. for it. <laughs> you were the kid that was sitting there doing this with their eyes trying. To... <laughs> oh, actually, you know what? That actually, that, I see you a lot better. <laughs> yeah, I so I I actually had an eye appointment last night, and I know the first thing that they do when you go in for an eye appointment, it's like, all right, take out your contacts. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do that this time. I'm just going to wear my glasses. So that's one thing I don't have to do. So nice. Look at you getting all learned up and stuff. Yeah. Your eyes get any worse? Uh, no, they stayed, stayed the same. So classic. Excellent. Yep. Yeah. Every once in a while I'm, I'm walking through the store and, and you know, have the little bifocal little, you know, stands and everything. I just, 
I just, I, I used to just zip on by. Now I just, my gait slows just, just a little. And every once in a while, I'll just kind of catch myself looking over my shoulders. Like, no, I'm not going to do No, I'm not doing this. I am not going to succumb to age. My eyes are fine. I'm going to be one of those people. So, yeah. So, so you got the LASIK surgery, our boss, uh, and the, uh, general manager of idahosports.com, Paul Kingsbury. He got LASIK surgery just in the last two years. So you got it when it first came out, he got it after it was refined a little more and, uh, they gave him the option. They're like, okay, basically you're going to be able to see really far and you might need some help up close still, or you're going to be able to see up close and you'll need help far. And Paul said, well, give me the far one because obviously I'm looking off more often than I am up close. Right. So he gets the LASIK surgery. It goes great. He goes to broadcast his first game post LASIK surgery. It's a basketball game. And he looks down and realizes he can't see the, the roster like, <laughs> like right in front of his face. So now he has to wear these little readers down on the crook of his nose. After he just got LASIK surgery, I just, I find it hilarious. <laughs> oh, I, you know what I was, as you were telling that story, I'm thinking, how is he going to do this? Because from a broadcaster's perspective, I mean, we, we need them both. Yeah. And so I see the guy that's got it on the end of his nose looking here and then looking up and, you know, maybe perhaps a little chain, you know, <laughs> holding them together, you know, or does he have one of those little snap things that come around? Those are pretty cool, I guess. But yeah, it's a different world when you're broadcasting and you've got that, that, that vision thing. Oh my goodness. I, I give him crap for it. Every time I see him I'm like, yeah, good thing you got that LASIK surgery, bud. You could ditch those. Oh, no way. You still have to wear the readers. Yeah, how many fingers am I holding up, Paul? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's definitely interesting, um, for sure. And for all of the people that have great vision, they were treated to a bevy of great football games last week. Scott, I don't remember statewide a slate of just exciting close finishes. I mean, from every corner of the state. I, I, in terms of overall state football last week. Uh, this was the best week I can remember in some time. Oh, you go top to bottom and you're getting one score games, come from behind wins, come back, but not quite getting their win. But everything was so close from top to bottom. And that's what you want to see. I mean, we're, we're tired of seeing, you know, the, the blowout. So the parody was just set up perfectly this week. And we're going to talk about a couple of those. Yeah. And just for an, as an aside, just a couple of noteworthy finishes involving magic valley teams or magic valley places that we're just not going to get to today like for example burley hosted preston on friday night burley uh wow. take burley takes the lead with like 40 seconds left preston marches down the field they've got the ball around the like seven yard line i think uh and basically as time expires uh carter perry their freshman quarterback it's a little slant route in the end zone for a walk-off touchdown. Preston wins 53-51 over Burley. That was kind of an exciting finish. Saturday, Scott, Declo hosted a, a neutral site game between Melba and North Fremont, a couple mm -hmm. of 2A powers. Uh, North Fremont has the lead late. Melba's got a fourth and goal at the three-yard line, and they decide to go for the field goal. At this point, Melba is down by uh, two. So they go for the field goal to try and take a one-point lead. Uh, the field goal gets blocked. The ball spins into the end zone where a Melba player falls on it for a touchdown. So they came in looking for three. It's a blocked field goal, and they get six instead, and they win the game. I mean, just and, – and this was just – 
a, just a small sampling of just the crazy yeah. finishes we had. Yeah, well, that's just how Melba drew it up. It's like, hey, guys, it worked just like we wanted to. That's how we do it in practice. Yes. So, yeah, some exciting finishes, that's for sure. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and, you know, you hope that continues week to week. And, you know, we've got some good matchups coming up uh, starting tomorrow night because we are recording this on Thursday. And uh, so we're going to see a lot more good football games this coming weekend. I, I will say specifically, just for football fans in general, I know this isn't the East Idaho prep cast, but man, we have got just like three doozies on IdahoSports.com Friday night. We've got Meridian at Highland, Battle of 5A Powers. We have Hillcrest at Pocatello, arguably two of the four best 4A teams in the state. And we've mm-hmm. got the 59th annual Emotion Bowl between oh, yep. Idaho Falls and Skyline. So, yeah, there's some good stuff going on. And uh, tell you what, you can find it all right here at IdahoSports.com. That's right. And of course, we have uh, Magic Valley Game Night as well, Scott, the latest yep. installment in the River Rivalry, Minico. At Burley. Burley. Yeah, that ought to be a fun one. It, it always is when they tangle. I mean, there were so many years that it was just Minico wiping the floor with Burley, and it just got old and nobody really cared, you know? And um, matter of fact, I, I remember several years ago, wrote an article on it that we posted uh, that Burley still got stomped, but it was like they got a little closer. They only lost by like 30, you know? So, I mean, it was just one of those things. And now all of a sudden with the video game offense that Burley is playing along with their eight man defense, it's anybody's contest and you can bet they're going to put some points on the board in that one. Yeah. I, I will say shout out to uh, Burley, even though they, they lost last week, 53, 51, uh, no, no Gatlin bear still. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so what do they do? They shift to the run game. And we talked about this with Burley last year where man, Ramsey Trevino, their running back last year, kind of went under the radar because of the passing game, but he was a really good running back. They've got another one this year in Bodie Coombs and, and he balled out. He scored five rushing touchdowns and had dang near 200 rushing yards. Yeah. And for Burley, I mean, talk about the emergence of a couple of more weapons. I mean, all the talk and everything and the offense runs through Gatlin bear. So what do you do when he's out for a bit? Well, you better have some dudes step up and sometimes your team gets a lot better when that star disappears for just a little bit. And now you come back, he comes back and you found some weapons that maybe you didn't know you had. Yeah. So that's Minico at Burley Friday night, seven o'clock on IdahoSports.com. Lauren Jensen has the play-by-play for that for Magic Valley game night. And that's just one of several outstanding football games we've got going on. You can see all of the games we're broadcasting statewide by clicking on the game streams tab across the top of the homepage at idahosports.com so all right let's before we dive into what's happening this week let's quickly look back to last week because there was a pair of games in the magic valley that kind of fit fit this mantra of really exciting finishes uh for two entirely different reasons um the first game we're going to talk about was a non-conference battle between gooding and mountain home a 3a versus 4a battle um Gooding surges ahead to a 28 to 14 lead at halftime, Scott, but mm-hmm. then mountain home outscores Gooding 22 to nothing in the second half to earn the come from behind win by a final of 36 to 28 big win for the Tigers. Oh, a huge win for the Tigers. I mean, it was in that game. It was all about stopping Bryce Patterson. I mean, he's the one that went off in that first half. And, you know, when they found themselves in that hole, they, they knew what they had to do, and they just could not let 
Bryce Patterson get behind him anymore. And they made a few adjustments. They kind of kept him in check. And then they were able to chip back away at it uh, and get it. But, uh, you know, when I talked to Coach Rayfield, you know, he had nothing but good things to say about Gooding uh, and the play of, of Patterson, which is what got him in a whole lot of trouble. Um, but uh, what, what an exciting win for a, a brand new coach who's really trying to change some things and establish, you know, a, a new way of doing things in Mountain Home. Yeah, so you mentioned Bryce Patterson for Gooding, Scott. His final stat line was seven seven receptions, 160 yards, four touchdowns. All four touchdowns that Braden Martin threw for Gooding went to Bryce Patterson. They were all in the first half. So what did, did Coach Rayfield tell you what, what they did to, to neutralize Patterson in that second half? It was just basically commit guys to him, but no matter what, do not let him behind you. You know, and I, sometimes when you come up and you play a little press defense or whatever, or a little, you know, too deep or you know, cover three, what it, if you don't have your guys rotating the way they should, then it's easy for a player like Patterson to get behind you. But when you make the focus, no matter what your defensive scheme is that, Hey, I'm going to keep this dude in front of me. If he starts to sprint, I'm going to out sprint him. And if he cuts it off into a, a 15 yard dig route, then you know what? So be it. He's not scoring over the top of me. And you get in that mindset, and, I, and I'm sure that's what uh, they were doing, is just stop the guy that's been killing you. Yeah, it, it was really impressive to watch Mountain Home come from behind to this win. Uh, in the victory, Landon Lopez throws four touchdowns for the Tigers. Cash Wiley catches three of them. Uh, Tristan Abrego caught the fourth. And then Wiley rushed for a touchdown as well. And Cash Wiley is a guy that kind of came on our radar last year a little bit, Scott, but he broke out in a big way here. Yeah, no, he, he certainly did. And it gave uh, anytime you can run the football and any coach will tell you this, you run the football, you got a chance to win the game, you know, because you're doing so many different things by running the ball run sets up pass. It's not the other way around and you're able to be more physical and you're able to control clock. And so that's why the run game is so important with cash stepping up and they're getting something going there. You know, that's going to make mountain home a, a, a much better football team. And for Mountain Home, this was huge because it's their first win of the year. Now they're one in three. They've already played two conference games, Scott, which I just, I hate. I know I've talked about this already, but. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So Mountain Home's 0-2 in the Great Basin Conference, but they're one in three overall. They've already lost to Burley and Minico. So those are two, two of the more difficult ones kind of already out of the way. Mm -hmm. uh, Mountain Home's got another non-conference game coming up on Friday. Doesn't get any easier. They're at Kimberly, which, by the mm -hmm. way, they're still undefeated. Um, and, and then they play Twin. And so you're <laughs> like, man, Kim Kimberly and Twin is kind of a daunting stretch. But then look at how they finish at Canyon Ridge, at Caldwell, and then Jerome. If mm -hmm. they can build some momentum and, and string together some wins, especially in that back half of the schedule, they could compete for one of the, the at-large playoff bids in Class 4A, I think. Yeah, and we saw them do that last year, too. You know, uh, get a little momentum and then qualify. And and for their efforts, what drove to Sandpoint and uh, didn't work out very well. But it's all about getting some momentum at the end of the season. But even if they don't, even if they do get a little bit of momentum heading down the backstretch and they don't qualify the way that you end a year sometimes springboards you into the next. Right. And so I think the schedule is set up well for mountain home, especially coming down the stretch where they can 
finish on a high note and that will speak volumes to what happens next year. Yeah. And I think this is a, a good shot in the arm for mountain home as well. This is a program that we kind of talked about it when we did our season preview for football, right? The last time mountain home had a winning record, uh, these kids that are seniors were like in preschool. It was mm -hmm. that, it was that yeah. long ago, but I like, I like coach, uh, Ben Rayfield. Uh, he's a younger guy. I think he relates really well to his players and mm -hmm. it's, it's a different voice, maybe a different perspective. And I, I think he's a good fit with this mountain home team. Oh, he is. His energy is, is contagious and these kids are responding well. I mean, anytime you try to come in and change a culture, break old habits, start new ones. I mean, it just takes time. And the first thing you got to do is get this buy-in and coach Rayfield's getting it, you know? And so, you know, I talking with him and, and kind of, picking the brain a little bit, you know, they do something that they call AR time, which is adversity response time. It's a, a little mental thing that they do. And uh, it's where the, the coaches put them in practice in really adverse situations, whether it's, you know, some conditioning scenarios or in-game in scenarios. And what they do is they, they really focus on how to get out of this. And, and some of the things that they really focus on are self-talk, how do you as a player talk to yourself about getting out of this? Because a lot of times, you know, we get as kids get into this mindset of adversity. And we've talked about a couple of these things on Scott's thoughts where adversity is just something that we just don't do well with anymore. And the way that you talk to yourself to get out of it instead of just being an automatic quitter is huge. And that's one of the things that they're really pushing on, especially when you're an underdog like Mountain Home that you've got to be able to do that because you're going to see a lot of adversity, right? Um, and then they focus a lot on their nonverbal body language. And, and as a coach and as a philosophy communication guy as well, I mean, those are things that are so overlooked in, in success as an athlete, you know, and they're, and they're doing some of that, which is really cool to see. Yeah. There's, um, the non the nonverbal body language is fascinating to me because mm -hmm. Scott, uh, you and I both covered the five A girls state basketball tournament last year. Uh, mm -hmm. You did most of the games, and then I did a couple of the consolation loser right. out games. Um, and there was there was a certain team there. I won't say who it was, but they were they were a highly ranked seed, and they they went to and out basically. And it was kind of surprising to to all of us. And we're like, on paper, this team like has a D one player. They they should be, you know better and but you saw it and i saw it when we actually watched them play not cohesive at all a lot of like side eye glances at each other and and the nonverbal body language to me stood out and i'm like okay kind of makes yeah. sense now oh it, it's fascinating to watch and if you are kind of you know keen in it and you know what you're looking for it's something that the casual fan doesn't see unless it's really egregious you know, but that game we we're watching, you'd watch the bench and and you've got a lot of this going on and nobody kind of, I don't like this person and, and then coming off the floor, you just watch those things and you go, there is something going on with this team. And so as a coach, those are the little things that you've really got to fix because they speak volumes. So in football, I'm curious because in other sports, you know, basketball, it's easy to read somebody's face, but in football, the helmet and the face mask kind of obscures that. So what kind of body language is coach Rayfield looking for? Is it slumped shoulders? Is it, what is it? Yeah. You're, you're I mean, you could still see without the face you could see a, a little 
pep in the step, an upright stance, uh, you know, the, the gait, uh, the head, the hands. I mean, if you're just dropped down and, but you can tell when somebody's here, it's just all those little things that are like pieces of a puzzle that you put together to get a nonverbal body language. Um, and what, you know, I was a communication major in, in college. And one of the things I loved was the nonverbal aspect of things because it, people can say what they want, but what is the body telling you? And if you're a coach and a good one, you're dialed in on that because people and kids will tell you whatever you want to hear, but what is their body telling you? And so you look for those little things, which, and to me, again, it's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, we could spend hours talking about yeah. this, but it's <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe the next time if you're a fan and the next time you're at a game, maybe keep an eye on that. And you mm -hmm. might be able to glean some insights uh, beyond what's happening on the field. I Absolutely. would encourage everybody to, to try it out wherever they're at um, taking in an athletic event. So, um, okay. So congrats to Mountain Home one and three on the season uh, big comeback in the second half with a second half shutout. The next game we're going to talk about Scott had a similar flow to it, but a different outcome. It's lighthouse Christian and carry. This is an eight man battle. Carrie had taken it on the chin a couple of times lighthouse Christian. It looked really dominant and coming in. I'll, I'll admit, I thought, okay, lighthouse probably wins in an easy one. And they built up a big lead mm -hmm. in that first half. They we did. You get, get to the second half and carry, uh, pitches like Mountain Home, Carey pitches a second half shutout. But unlike Mountain Home, Carey can't quite come all the way back. And so Lighthouse is the team that's up big, sees that lead dwindle, and manages to survive by a final of 30 to 28. So let's start with the Lions. This was a good gut check win, I feel like, for them. Oh, it, you know what? It, it It is so weird that, you know, we when we start doing these, these podcasts, especially – some of the, the Scott's thoughts that we're doing, we talk a lot about adversity. We just mentioned it in Mountain Home. Lighthouse just went through it, you know, and they were undefeated coming in. They're still undefeated. But in order to be a good football team, you have got to have these kind of games because you, your kids need to know what it feels like to be in that situation, to hang on by their fingernails and hope the clock expires because you know, Kerry came out a completely different team in that second half. I mean, down 30 to 12. Now, granted, Lighthouse, who knows? Maybe they took their foot off the gas just a little bit. You know, they were cruising because they, they started making some mistakes that they're uncharacteristic of them. I mean, uh, the bunch of fumbles and they had a punt that was returned for a touchdown. And, you know, these are things that they didn't do in the first half and they generally don't do in the game. And so these were the games that a, a good football team needs to have so you know congrats to lighthouse for holding on and for carrie and we'll talk about carrie here in a minute but for them that was huge as well even though they came up short but lighthouse moving on four and oh the lions are, are rolling right now and they're two and oh in conference play as mm -hmm. well with wins over raft river and carrie and those were two playoff teams from a year ago so that's a very encouraging for lighthouse christian justice schrader their quarterback scott uh, took an uh, unofficial visit, was invited to to come up to the University of Montana and um, be on the sideline for the Montana Grizzlies game on Saturday. Of course, I'm a diehard Montana Grizzly fan. Yes, grew up you in are. Area. So that's cool, man. That Justice Schrader's going up there and, and possibly could be a part of 
Grizz Nation. I'm excited for that. Yeah, so. oh, I do. And I watched your body language as soon as you said Montana. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> here we go. Even if I didn't know you were a Montana fan, I could tell. But yeah, what, I mean, what a cool little thing for him. Um, to, so hopefully that works out well for him. You know, and for Lighthouse, it, it is. It's, they, they are replacing some, trying to replace people like that you know, eventually to keep a program going. And they did have some pretty good standout performances this week. I mean, um, they had a really good performance from Ben Ford, who dominated on both sides of the ball. And uh, they had Aiden Visser step in to the starting running back role this week due to injuries. And he gave him a really good game and, um, you know, and got a clutch catch from Colin Vanderham that allowed him to run the clock out. So, you know, Lighthouse, they are – getting contributions from a, a bunch of uh, a different players. And, you know, for uh, Coach Bosma, I mean, this was a group of seniors that he was able to coach a little bit as freshmen when he was the OC at Lighthouse. So he's got some familiarity, you know, with these kids. And um, it, it's fun to see another young coach have some success, um, but he's been there for a bit. So he knows the Lighthouse way. Yes, uh, Logan Bosma, the first-year head coach for Lighthouse Christian. And I, I think last year, Scott, Lighthouse really took their lumps. I mean, this conference is a gauntlet, right? There's oh. there's, there's no easy yeah. games on the schedule. And no. last year, uh, Lighthouse Christian did make the playoffs, um, but they lost, I mean, one, two, three, four, five. They went like two and five in the, in the regular season. Now, they were yeah. in a lot of these games, but I think uh, that was a good learning experience for them. And now they're a year older, a year more seasoned, and they're on the right side of some of these outcomes. So it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, you know, and the thing about it in having a young coaching staff uh, talking to Coach Bosma is that all of their, most of their coaching staff is pretty young. And so um, they, they're able to, to bring a certain energy because a lot of the guys on this team were not very vocal leaders prior to this year. And so that youth and that exuberance and energy is really starting to get these kids to be more vocal and even more so um, they get to practice with them sometimes too and so they have a lot of fun and it's it's a bonding thing because you know like I said these coaches are still young enough to run around with these guys you know and so they have a lot of fun um, running the scout offense uh, the coaches do you know so there's been some times where they've intercepted coach Bosmas he's playing quarterback and then everybody's talking smack or there's been you know a time where um, they, they caught a ball over the top of, uh, their DC Connor. And it's just the, the special teams coordinator, uh, Justin, that was a wide out, they shut him down. And I mean, it's just, it, it's a cool little vibe that you don't get a whole lot, but when you have a young coaching staff, you can play around with that and they're having a good time. Yeah. That's awesome. Anytime the coaches can get involved, uh, that, that's great. Uh, glad to hear that. And so lighthouse has a bye this week, Scott, and then they play Oakley. So this is, you know, Lighthouse. Yeah. It's all out in front of them for sure. Mm -hmm. um, Oakley does not have a bye this week, Scott. Oakley has to play Carrie, yeah. the team that just lost to Lighthouse. And so this is an unusual spot. We're not used to seeing Carrie. They're 0-3 and they're 0-1 in conference. That was their conference opener. But, man, for first-year coach John Saeeli, I think he has to feel pretty encouraged with the way his team battled back and almost pulled off the win. Oh, you know, you talk about a carry team that is pretty much starting from scratch again. I mean, how many graduates did they have that were just vital cogs of this football team? And, you know, when you are 
an eight man football team, you can't afford to graduate that many players because the, the reloading process isn't quite the same. Right. And so this really has been a lot of rebuilding, trying to figure themselves out. I mean, you know, Kerry has always had speed. Kerry has always been fast. They may not have been the biggest team you've ever played, but man, I tell you what, you get some of these kids on the outside and they're gone. Well, they don't have that this year. And so they are still trying to figure, you know, themselves out. They're, they're green. Uh, their coaching staff is green because I mean, this is what year number one of 150 that we haven't had a Kirkland on the sideline. Um, but we do have one of Kirkland's 20 year assistants helping out. Um, uh, Coach Durch, I believe, is who it is. and But the rest of them are still young. And so overall, this Kerry team is really trying to find themselves. And this game against Lighthouse, even though they lost, man, that really does have to help their confidence just a little bit to know that they came back on an undefeated team and nearly beat them. Yeah, and for Kerry, they're also doing this as one of the smallest. I mean, they are the smallest school in the conference, and they're one of the smallest in the classification. They're actually yeah. moving back down to one A D two next year, and so um, they're they're trying to they're trying to hang in as best as they can. We do the the eight man prep cast every week, Scott, uh, myself, and Will Henneke, and Coach Lane Kirkland, former Kerry coach, and we're all we're all on a text thread, and we kind of text each other on Friday night as we're seeing results come in and stuff, and uh coach kirkland is the pa announcer at, at the carry games now just like you do scott and um you know he texted us on friday night and he said i, I couldn't be more proud of these guys uh, even though i'm not coaching anymore he said we we gave him everything we had and and nearly pulled that off and so there was there's a lot of pride i think still from carry even though it was a loss oh absolutely and pride is the key you know when you put on that carry football uniform there's a certain amount of pride that comes with it and you may not be the best team this year or a young team or whatever it is but the pride never goes away you know and you're always going to have a little bit of fight in you and you know and it's it's really cool too because talking uh to their coaching staff it's like they they get it you know and one of the things i was told specifically um it was almost the stuff that we talked about last week it's like they said winning is what we want to do but the adversity that they have to face this year is teaching them so much about themselves as athletes and coaches. Uh, losing's not fun, but it's made them step up their game and learn how to handle challenges. And that sounds very familiar to stuff that we talked about, you know, last week. And so Kerry's approaching it the right way. I mean, they're, they're in a season to where it's not going to be about the scoreboard. It's going to be about the fight. And last week against Lighthouse, um, they, they had some fight in them and you know, kind of funny little thing. I was, you know, trying to, to, to dig for a funny story or something, something like that. And, and, uh, and I, and I got to share this one. Um, they had a, we, we have a young team and they're still trying to figure it out. They, he said a couple of times this year, they had a, some drop passes and you know, this kid had come to the sideline and coaches said, well, Hey, what, why did you drop that pass? And, I, you know what? I don't know. I it just, I, I lost it in the light or I just didn't squeeze, you know, whatever it is, but these kids are coming up and one, one of the guys said, well, I, I was scared of getting hit. <laughs> and, so it's, and then the coach is like, I don't know what to say to that, <laughs> but that's the youth. That's the youth. Why didn't you catch it? Well, I didn't want to get hit. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Go get some water, whatever. So, 
that's those are the things that you get with a young team and an inexperienced team that I don't know, they're kind of fun. And as a coaching staff, hey, you got you got to giggle at it and and and, and grow. It's it's fun. Hey, there's nothing to be ashamed of. There's guys in the NFL that do that. Oh, yeah. Look, <laughs> looking at you, Randy Moss. Yeah, yeah. Looking at you, Moss. You just got Moss. Yeah. So yeah, and these and these kids are coming along great. I mean, junior quarterback Preston Wood is is emerging as a really good leader for this team. Um, and, and they do have a, a dedicated group of seniors, you know, Owen and Park and and Hennifer and then versus who was the conference player or defensive player of the year in the conference last year. Um, they still have some, you know, versus just, he's still dinged up a little bit. So that's kind of limited him uh, with a shoulder injury, but you know, they got some kids stepping up and they're coming along and, you know, we'll see what they got against Oakley. Yep. Good luck to the Panthers and doesn't get any easier from here on out as they try to navigate their way through the snake river conference. But uh, yeah, Good luck to carry against Oakley on Friday night. Scott, uh, there is golf happening uh, this fall. Second year that uh, 5A, 4A schools are competing in golf. And so uh, this earlier this week was the annual Jerome Invitational. Year two in the fall. How did it go? Oh, you know, this is one of the better tournaments in in Idaho. And it, it happens in conjunction with Jerome Country Club and then Canyon Springs down in the down in the canyon. Um, it, I tell you, we have so many great schools that show up to this thing and some incredible golfers. And I went out there, um, Monday for a portion of it. And I was there for the awards assembly and, and the presentation of medals and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, these kids are, well, the kid that got won it. I mean, he steps up and they call his name and then here comes like this little 12 year old out of the pack. And I thought maybe he's accepting the medal for his older brother who had to go or something. No, that was the kid that just fired a 65 or whatever it was. It's like, dude, how are you doing this? Because I I mean, I love to play golf and I go play golf. And that guy is going to whoop me up one side, down the other and twice on Sunday. And he looks like he's 10. And I'm like, man, I wish I would have started earlier. But you're looking at these kids and they are so good. Um, that it, it is. And if you've not ever played golf before, it's not an easy sport. It's it. I mean, I was a guy that played football, basketball, baseball, ran track, and now playing golf. It is the hardest of all of those to play in my mind. And so I was impressed with what I saw and some of the talent that we've got, you know, coming to this tournament. So it was a lot of fun. Twin Falls won the boys team title and the girls team title. We want to know why are they so good every year in golf? And so we're, we're putting feelers out there to the golf coach at Twin Falls. If you're watching this, hey, we want to talk to you. We want to know what makes your team so good every year. We want to do a deep dive into Twin Falls golf. Yeah, uh, for, for sure. You know, Trey Payne was the guy that uh, from Twin that fired the 65 and um, won the overall medalist honors. I mean, that's seven under par. I mean, okay. <laughs> That, that's and and oh my word i'm just so impressed by some of these kids and what they're able to do yeah it's a big mental game golf so 
Yeah. Uh, no promises, but we're trying to work on it. A deep dive yeah. into, into the Twin Falls High Golf Program and what makes them so good year in, year out. So yep. uh, stay tuned for that. But as we wrap up this week's episode, Scott, uh, we're going to do another edition of Scott's Thoughts. And again, if you're new to this, this is basically uh, we give Scott a topic every week. Um, it has to deal with something uh, like, like life lessons, life skills you can use. Um, yeah. It can apply to high school aged kids or even younger, but it's also a good refresher and reminder for us adults as well. So far on Scott's thoughts, and you can uh, find these on the idahosports.com uh, Facebook page. Also, if you subscribe to the Magic Valley Prepcast, you'll hear them there. And I've also made a playlist on our YouTube channel titled Scott's Thoughts. So you can go watch them on YouTube as well. But we've, ta- we've tackled learning from a loss. And then last week we tackled doing the things we don't want to do, but they have to get done. And mm-hmm. this week, Scott, the topic is honoring your commitments. How do you how do you <clears throat> stay good on your word and honor your commitments? So go ahead and take it away. All right. Well, as I got to thinking about this one, again, with all these topics, you can go a hundred different ways, but here, here's what I think. And the first thing that came to my mind was a story. When I was growing up, I had a best friend. His name was Matt. And he would always go ask his dad to play catch. But the reply Matt always got was, I can't right now. I'm busy. I promise in 15 minutes. Well, 15 minutes would pass and he'd go back in and ask again. And he'd get the same response. I can't right now. I'm working. Give me 15 minutes. I promise. Well, this went on for quite a while and nothing ever happened. After time, Matt was dejected and eventually he stopped asking his dad. Matt was promised every single time and every single time his dad never kept his word. Matt and his dad never mended that relationship and needless to say, they had trust issues up until his dad died just last spring. I tell you that story only to illustrate the power of a promise, the cost of a lost commitment. Remember back in the day when our word meant something, promises were kept and actually taken seriously. You know, you said something and you meant it. Nowadays, it seems as if we throw words like commitment around like it's candy at a parade. It means nothing. And at the end of the day, it's often left sitting in the middle of the road. The word doesn't mean what it used to because it's tied to trust and integrity, two fading qualities. Keeping your word, your commitments, is about having respect for yourself, respect for others, and most importantly, it does show integrity. For athletes, and you know, we still have some awesome kids who do what they say and they say what they mean, raised right, the whole nine yards, but that breed is fading. And today, we have generations, and, and granted, not all of them, but we do have generations who forget that commitment means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do long after the mood you set it in has left you. However, our young kids don't always get it. If you don't feel like being on time, you're not. You don't feel like showing up for practice, you don't. You know, student absences in school these days are through the roof across the board, and it's if school is an option. Remember when we went? It was a commitment. Our parents didn't let us miss because they were teaching us responsibility. But somewhere along the way, we lost what it 
meant to stick to something. As a kid, I remember if we went out for a sport, a team, a club, anything, no matter what happened, we saw that commitment through. Today, it seems we don't act so much on commitment, but we act on our feelings. And once you feel like quitting something, well, every time you quit after that, it gets easier and easier. And now you have a pattern. And it goes from quitting a team to a job, to a family, to a marriage. And sometimes it's all because things got just a little difficult. From a coach's perspective, sometimes we are no different. We want to get so upset at this generation of kids, but we have to look no further than ourselves just to make sure that we've shown them the right path. When coaches quit on their commitments, whether it's a game they're supposed to play or a deadline, or they quit on a losing team, what are we telling our kids who will inevitably pass down what they learn from us to the next generation? So now we've come full circle and the stakes are high. We live in a society where we tend to bail on commitments when it gets too hard or when the ability to toughen up is compromised. But it doesn't have to be this way. Coaches have one of the greatest powers anyone can bestow upon them, and that is to mentor our, mentor our kids and create a value system that guides them through their lives and then hold them accountable to their commitments. And parents, you have the same responsibility. No more coddling your kids and allowing certain behaviors to become normal where they have no accountability at all. And athletes, you have the responsibility to learn these lessons through toughness, discipline, and integrity. And it all begins with a commitment to yourself. Be accountable to yourself. People see what you're doing, whether you realize it or not. So stand for something. Make your words match your deeds. And in a world where commitments are easy to make but hard to keep and where we can say whatever we want and we typically do, let us not forget that commitment is an act, not a word. And those are Scott's thoughts. Again, nicely done. The you're the part that really stood out to me is the quitting part is so easy. You yeah. know, <clears throat> working out, you know, if you if you take one day off, it turns into a weekend, it turns mm -hmm. into a week. It's it does, it backslides for sure. It's it's easy to yeah. fall out of it. It is, it is. And I could have gone off on that for another 10 minutes or so, but you know, it's ah, Lee, it's 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 an it's an epidemic, you know, and we're in it and it's across the board. I mean, we're allowing it to happen and parents are allowing it to happen, you know, and there's so many reasons for it, but we just got to be aware of it and just, Hey, you know what? No, I'm not going to quit. I don't care how tough it is. Let's do this. And boy, the, the, the benefits you get out of that down the road, mm, immense. Yeah. It's a good Scott's thoughts for sure. And now for next week's assignment, Scott, again, Ooh, okay. I relate this to something that I kind of see or something that happens to me. Uh, Friday night, Scott, last Friday, I was doing a, a football game for IdahoSports.com in Worley, which is maybe 40 minutes away from where I live. And uh, as I get home, it's like 11 o'clock at night from the field. I, uh, I reach into my pocket and I go, uh-oh, my phone's not there. <laughs> I left my phone 
at the stadium. Well, the athletic director from Lakeside High School, uh, Adrian Brown Saunders, was kind enough to pick it up, take it to the high school, put it away in a drawer in the office, but there it sat all weekend. I had no access to my phone. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? <laughs> so I'm thinking, oh, this will be great. It's a chance to unplug. I, I'm not going to be a slave to technology. And for the most part, I felt that way, but there were these brief moments where panic and anxiety set in. I'm like, I need my phone. What, what am I doing? What am I doing with my hands? I don't know what to do. And so that's, that's going to be the Scott's thoughts for this week. Oh, I love it. How do I we, how do we not become a, a slave to this? Oh my gosh. I, you know, there's so many things to say about that, that, you know, it's, we have stopped being aware of our surroundings. We have stopped being aware of each other. Um, and it all centers around that because you have so many problems that are going on and it's all because of this. Our world is in a two foot bubble and what goes on beyond that, most of us have no clue. And so, yeah, this is going to be a fun one to explore. That, that's my initial reaction to it, but boy, the wheels are turning right now. That hamster is working overtime right now. We've got some ideas. For sure. So that's what we do. We always introduce the topic to Scott at the end of the episode, get his quick snap judgment, and then we give him a week to, to write down some thoughts. And so next week, Scott's thoughts will be about how to not become a slave to technology and in particular, cell phone, smartphone. So it should be a good one. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, big thanks to everybody for tuning into the Magic Valley Prepcast. Don't forget, Minico at Burley, Friday night. On IdahoSports.com, River Rivalry, good football matchup there. And uh, for those of you that are going to other athletic events this weekend, enjoy the competitions, everybody. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time on IdahoSports.com.